Good evening. We are going to do an important play which is by a man called Jose Triana who we talked about and he has to leave Cuba and go and settle in Paris because he has looked at one of the people who is not with the revolutionaries because of this play called The Night of the Assassins. And with that background which we already know, when we look at the play, we begin to wonder how does the play operate? Does the play actually have these messages against the government and against the idea of the government being, Ocastro's government being uh, incompetently run? It looks as if this is an absurd play because you have the names of the characters as just two syllables, uh, Lalo, uh, Kuka, uh, and uh, Beba, right? So these are the three characters and they also play the role of the mother, the role of the father, the role of the neighbors, the visitors, and in the second act, uh, they also play the policeman, the judge, the prosecutor, and all those kind of things. Now, when you talk about the play, it's set in 1950, which is not Castro's regime, but it's the idea of the Batista regime, right? So why should it actually create all these problems is a question that we might have in mind. Because the Ministry of Culture is actually looking into it and they find it a problem. But what is interesting is the psychodrama that is operant here in the play. And we might miss the political if you look only at the psychodrama because you have uh, the three people in the play and the actor's note is important to be looked at because it says while these characters play other characters they must not they must do so with the utmost simplicity and spontaneity they must not use characterizing devices they're capable of representing uh, the world without any artifices bear this in mind for the production staging and set these characters are adults but ex exhibit a fading adolescent grace they are figures in a ruined museum right so it's got what you call elements of the dream play and it's got elements of the period play and it's also got the setting which is 1950 and in the basement or an attic a table three chairs rolled up carpets dirty curtains with large floral pattern patches on them vases a judge's gavel, a knife, and various objects discarded in the corner next to a broom and a duster. Right? So you have Lalo, Koka, and Beba as the characters. Right? And what is interesting is we talk about the word assassination, and the word assassination is something that Shakespeare gives to the world. And we know that an assassination is not a murder. Right? And a murder and assassination, both of them are taking somebody's lives. 
and an assassination as we know as literature students and language students is what we would call a political act of murder right it's not just a murder it's not a family murder but the play seems to be a family drama and you can see that there is this huge amount of Freudianism in the play when uh, Lalo acts as a father and talking about the father being very restrictive, right? At one part in the first act, he also comes in as a mother carrying her whale and talking about her pregnancy and being very self-conscious about it, right? So we have, of course, at the beginning of the play, uh, four epigraphs, which is interesting. One is by Caesar Vallejo. Oh, so much, oh, so little, oh, the others. That's his. We are all dream monsters to ourselves. That's Marlowe. This human world penetrates us, participates in the dance of the gods without looking back on pain of being turned into ourselves, into pillars of salt. Otto was a great French dramatist, as we all know. And we have T.S. Eliot, who's a poet, a theorist, and a dramatist. And he says, can we only love something created by our own imagination? Are we all, in fact, unloving and unlovable? Then one is alone. And if one is alone, then lover and beloved are equally unreal. And the dreamer is no more real than his dreams. Right? So the question is, when you have a dream, are you dreaming? Okay? Are you a dreamer when your dream is over? Or are you a dreamer when you have your dream? Okay? It's like asking the famous question, which... Uh, there's no writing, yeah? There, there's no poet, there's no poetry, there's only writing, yeah? And that's uh, the death of the author, right? So that's as important as this whole idea of the dream is. And the question is, what is the dream? The dream of a Marxist world? Is that what Triana is talking about? And does the, need, the dream become a nightmare, right? Or are the hopes of the Marxist idea of a utopian world shattered? And is he doing that in the play? Because he very carefully places the, the play in 1950, that is, in the Batista regime, when Castro hasn't really come to power. Shut the door, beats his chest, that's Lalo, and the opening lines, sentence, right? Exalted, wide-eyed, an assassin, an assassin, and he falls to his knees, right? Now, we begin by saying, well, what's he doing? Is he really talking about an assassin, right? And who would his parents be to be assassinated? Or he's just role-playing. Right? And Kuka says to Beba, what's all this? Beba indifferently watching Lalo, the performance has begun. 
right? And now that's an element of modern drama which we get from Brecht and many others who try to tell you that this is a play and nothing but a play and you are in the play. Tendulkar does it in Shantata Kot Salo Ahe, right? And what is interesting is uh, when we say the performance has begun and Kuka says again, Beba annoyed, of course, it's not the first time. Please don't get upset. Grow up. Mom and dad have, haven't gone out yet. So, right? Yeah, so uh, he says they've not yet gone out. We're waiting for the performance. Okay, and they have to actually go out first to put up a play. Right? So they're actually saying we are putting up a play and we're putting up a play and the, the parents are not out so we have to put it up. And then Lalo says, I killed them. Now, does he actually kill them or is it a kind of uh, a wish fulfillment that he uh, gets into killing, right? Laugh stretches his arm solemnly out to the audience. Can't you see the two coffins? Look, candles, flowers. We fill the room with gladioli, mum's favorite, pause. They can't complain. Now they're dead. We've made them happy. I myself dressed their stiff, sticky bodies and with these hands, I dug a deep, deep hole. Earth, more earth, gets up quickly. They still haven't discovered the crime, smiles Sukuka. What are you thinking about? Caressing her chin as if she were a child. I understand you're scared. She moves away. Oh, you're impossible, right? Now, the question is, he's, he's acting as a grave digger. He's acting as Lalo. And one kind of action uh, cannot interfere with the other, right? So there's a shift. The same actor acts various roles and doesn't even show by the accent or the mannerism that the acting people, right? So there's a lot about being a good actor and the, the, the kind of experiment that Triana does is to restore the actor acting a play by absolutely artificial means, right? So it's actually artificially, very, very artificially, right? Uh, yeah, so they are capable of representing the world without any artifacts, right? That's what is said. But the idea is to act. Are you natural when you act? Or are you artificial when you act? And are we acting all the time or are we not acting? Yeah? Even when we think that we are natural, we are acting out roles and that's exactly why that becomes a statement which is interesting and important because you're not supposed to display that you're acting somebody else, but people are supposed to know and understand that you're acting, acting somebody else, right? So you don't have this kind of an acting, uh, acting which shows an idiosyncrasy of a character. Right? You change the role, maybe you change the voice, the tone of voice, okay? or you do something which tells you that you're acting somebody else. Right? And the, uh, the, the instructions given is, he acts as the father, she acts as the mother, all that kind of thing, right? which you get over here. And Koka uh, is dusting the furniture and says, I can't stand all this nonsense. Nonsense? You think a crime is nonsense? How could you... Uh, 
How cold you are, little sister? Nonsense. Do you really think that? Uh, Kuka, firmly yes. Then what is important to you? I want you to help me. Right? Yeah, so she says, this is nonsense. Right? And a crime is no nonsense. Right? And a crime is again an act which is played out. Right? And we have, in the history of drama, we have Oedipus Rex. Okay, one of the early plays in Greek drama, which is a question of a crime being played out and going back and checking out that, which is patricide, right? And here both the parents are killed, right? So, uh, or supposed to be killed. I can't stand all this nonsense. And she's saying, well, I'm not interested in the play. I'm busy doing the dusting. And uh, why should I do this, right? You think a crime is nonsense. Okay, so now he's got into the role and he's playing the role of the person who has killed his parents. How cold you are, little sister, nonsense. Or that his parents are killed. Yeah, we don't know whether he's killed his parents. Yeah. How cold you are, little sister, nonsense. You really think that? Yes. Then what is important to you? I want you to help me. We have to tidy up this house. This room is a pit. Cockroaches, rats, moths, caterpillars, the whole bloody lot takes an ashtray from the chair and puts it on the table. Right? Now that's something else that becomes important. Yesterday we talked about chairs by UNESCO and the question of what are properties? What is the power of properties over the actor and over the audience? Right? And what happens when you move a property center stage, you move a property backstage and you have all these things keep keeping happening. One of the actors goes backstage, comes forward, uh, not backstage, but uh, up the stage and down the stage and front and back, right? How far do you think you're going to get with that duster? It's a start. Lalo, authoritatively, put the ashtray back in its place. The ashtray belongs to the table, not to the chair. What? Do what I tell you. Don't start Lalo. Lalo picks up the ashtray and puts it back on the chair. I know what I'm doing. Picks up the vase and puts it on the floor. In this house, the ashtray belongs on the chair and the vase on the floor. Right? So he's talking about his own kind of organization and understanding of the world. Right? And you get that clash with the mother further down in the act. Right? So he's saying, well, don't put that here. The ashtray should be on the chair. And the vase should be on the ground, right? And please do all this. And the chairs on the table. And what about this? Us, we'll float with our feet in the air and our heads hanging down, right? So uh, this is a kind of an unreal world that we're talking about, yeah? And he's talking about a real kind of unreality. Kuka, annoyed, fantastic. Why don't we try it? What would people say if they heard you now in a harder tone of voice? Look, Lalo, if you keep being pushy, we're going to have problems. Leave me alone. I'll do what I can. Lalo, purposefully, don't you want me to help you? Right? And the question is, he goes on saying, uh, don't you want me to help you? What is important to you? Right? And the question is, is a psychological problem more important than actually getting on with the practical 
dealings of life which Koka is trying to do. Don't mess things up. Then don't mess with my things. I want the ashtray there, the vase there, leave them there where they are. It's you who are being pushy, not me. Right? Now it's almost like the director of the play who is saying, well, I want all these things there and these all have to stand over there. Right? So is he playing Lalo or is he playing the director? So that's a question that we have. And when you get him saying the same thing or the mother saying, well, all these things are moving around and everything is moving around the place and the bedroom is the kitchen and the kitchen is the hall and all these really uh, funny kind of pronouncements and funny kind of language, you begin to wonder what's going on. Is Lalo okay at all? That's what it looks like. And he is. He's acting, right? All right. Now it's me who's being pushy. Darling, that is priceless. Now it's me. Look, Lalo, please shut up. Order is order, right? Now she's acting. Okay, so you get this kind of tug of war and this conflict between the two actors right at the beginning of the play. There is none so deaf as she that won't hear. Right? Now that's a very, very interesting piece which you might find in a movie called Witness for the Prosecution. Right? By Agatha Christie. Right? If I'm not wrong. Yeah. And um, what is interesting is an old, old movie. Right? At one point of time, uh, the, the prosecutor puts a witness on the stand and everybody objects and says, what has she got to do with it? And he says, no, I want her there, right? And he says, you see, she had asked for a hearing aid and he drops his voice solo and she says, hey? And of course, what's even more interesting is she's acting that, right? Yeah, so he proves his point, but actually she is, she is a decoy She's a person in league with a criminal, etc. So I don't want to spoil the detective fiction for you, right? But you can look at it, right? And it's done very well. But the question over here is, there's none so deaf as she that won't hear, right? And then Kuka says, what? Ah, you heard, right? So they're actually playing with each other. And he say, well, she says that she's not going to hear, okay? And she says, shut up but you heard, right? Now the question is, when we're talking about uh, what we call political speech, right? Or a stage whisper, the question is, you're, you're supposed to be loud, enough for the audience to hear, but it's supposed to be that the audience can't hear, right? So is that the same when you make a political pronouncement, right? And that's the condition where Night of the Assassins uh, actually becomes complicated because is it actually a, a big whisper that is being said or told to Castro's government, right? And I think uh, the answer would be the affirmative, right? What you heard, well darling, I don't understand, that's the honest truth. I don't know what you are all on about. It all sounds crazy. It gets me into an utter state. I can't say or do anything. And it is what I think it is. Then it is sick. Scared again? Get something into your tiny little head. If you want to live in this world, 
you have to do many things. And one of them is to forget fear. Does that sound easy? Well, do it then. Stop hassling me and don't preach. It doesn't suit you, dusting a chair. Look at this chair, Lago. How long since it was cleaned? And there are cobwebs even. Uh. Lalo, shocking, approaching cautiously, purposefully. The other day I said to myself, we must clean up. But then we got sidetracked into some nonsense and took, look, look at it, pause purposefully. Why don't you help? Right? Now the question is, we got sidetracked into some nonsense. And this is the purpose of the play, right? So what is sense and what is nonsense, right? We talked about something called common sense and commonsensical kind of understandings of the world. So what is nonsense and what is sense is very, very subjective. And that's exactly what we have over here. Almost on her knees next to the chair, cleaning it. Leave me out of it. Go on. Don't push. Just for a bit. I'm no use. Right? Now she says, leave me out of it. Is she saying, leave me out of the acting? Right? Looks like that. Right? It's no use. Beba, who has been upstage cleaning some old furniture and pots and pans with a rag, moves downstage. She smiles. Her movements are slightly reminiscent of Lalo's. Those corpses are unreal, spectacular. They give me goose pimples. I don't want to think anymore. I've never felt so happy. Look at them. They're flying. They're breaking up. Right? Now we're talking about corpses and she's talking about the corpses flying which is very spooky and very uh, problematic. Right? And this, she's saying the corpses are breaking up. Right? So when we're talking about dead bodies breaking up it's not a pleasant sight at all. And as we know Freud talks about thanatophobia, that is the fear of death. Have the guests arrived? I heard them coming up the stairs. Who? Margaret, an old pantaleon. Cook up doesn't stop her work, although occasionally she pauses to look at them. Lalo, contemptuously. I don't like those two. In another tone of voice, violently. Who told them? I don't know. No, don't look at me like that. I swear it wasn't me. Then it was her, points to Koka, her, still cleaning the furniture. Me? Yes, you. As if butter won't melt in your mouth. Perhaps no one told them. Perhaps they decided to come themselves. Lalo to Beba. Don't try and cover for her. To Koka, who gets up and mops her brow with the right arm. You, you are always spying on us, starts walking around Koka. You watch our every step, every word we say, everything we think. You hide behind curtains, doors, windows with a sly smile. Ha, that spoiled brat plays detective, roaring with laughter. Two and two make four, elementary, my dear Watson, suddenly, uh, softly, like a cat watching its prey, you're never satisfied. What do you know? Want to know? Right? Now, he's acting, 
and he says, I'm acting, right? And I'm acting as a detective. And he uses the famous lines from Sherlock Holmes, elementary, my dear Watson. Fear, Kuka, fearful, not knowing what to say, nothing lalo, nothing honestly, didn't get at me. Then why do you watch us? And why do you mix with such dreadful people? Her eyes filling with tears. I didn't mean to. That's why I can't forgive. They are my friends. With furious contempt, your friends, you're pathetic. With a triumphant smile. Didn't, don't think you can fool me. You're being ridiculous. You resist, but you can really want to run away. Little Miss Muffet, I already know you haven't got the guts to call things by their real names. Pauses. If you're, you're against us, show us your teeth. Bite. Rebel. Right? Yeah. So the question is, he's asking her to stand up and rebel. And we must remember that Cuba has a, rev a revolution behind it. So the idea of rebelling is very important. But after your rebellion is through, you also train the people who have been a part of your rebellion and your revolution, right, uh, to actually be rebellious themselves and revolutionaries themselves. So you have what you call the counter-revolution. Uh, stop it. Come on. They're getting on my nerves. You can do it. Cook are choking. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. Come on. Get up. Don't torment her. That's Beba to Lalo. Lalo to Kuka. Look at me. My head hurts. Look at me. I can't. Beba to Lalo, give her a few moments. Kuka sobbing. It's not my fault. It's just how I am. I can't change. I wish I could. And Lalo, irritated, says, what a dunce you are. Okay? Now, up to now, Lalo is a macho brother and is showing that he's got all the power. He knows the right answers. He fixes people. He accuses people. He does all those kind of things. Right? Lalo irritated. What a dunce you are. Deba to Koka. Come on then. Let takes her aside and walks her over to a chair. Dry your tears. Aren't you embarrassed? He's right, you know. They're being you're being difficult. Pause. She strokes her hair. There, there. In an affectionate voice, tone of voice. Don't look so sad. Give us a smile. In a maternal tone of voice. You shouldn't have done it. But if you've started, you might as well finish. Joking. Your nose has got all red, just like a baby tomato. Tapping her nose with the index finger of the right hand. What a steady belly you are, smiles. Koka, staying close to Biba. I don't want to see him. Calm down. I don't want to hear him. He won't eat you. My heart listens to you, to it. It sounds like it's going to explode. Don't be a crybaby. I swear, I swear. Well, get used to it. I want to run away. It will pass. I can't stand it. It gets easier. 
I feel terrible, right? Now all these things, what is she saying about this, right? I don't want to hear him, right? Is it because he's being rebellious? Is it because he's actually talking against the state? Okay, uh, all these things are possible uh, conjectures that we might have as we go around in the play, right? And uh, we have to understand how it operates. I want to spit on him. Don't go near him. He bites, right? Yeah, so that's something that you also might get in waiting for Godo when we're talking about lucky, right? Yeah, and the idea is if you go closer to somebody, you might find that they bite you, right? And bite is metaphorical, not real, right? Okay, Lalo as Roman Emperor. Now Lalo is playing different roles. Come to my aid, I'm dying of boredom, right? And that's probably Nero, Kuka, incapable of putting herself on the same level as Lalo, reproaches him in a mocking tone of voice. What a performance. He's just like your uncle, Chicho. Don't you think, sis? In disgust, you're a monster. Lalo, an important as important gentleman. Now he's changing his role every time he talks, right? He's not acting Lalo anymore. He's rapping the Roman emperor. He's acting an important gentleman. When the gods are silent, the people shout. He throws the cauldron downstage. Kuka as mother, sarcastically, that's right. Smash the place up. You don't have to pay for it. Right? Now, suddenly you find Kuka, who doesn't want to act, acting as a mother. Right? Kuka as a mother, yeah, so she's sarcastic. So smash up the place. Lalo smiling, facing the door. What a delightful surprise. And why is that a delightful surprise? Because Kuka is acting. Beber Kuka, are you feeling better? Kuka nods. Lalo, greeting imaginary people. Do come in. As if he were shaking their hands. Oh, how are you? Hello. Right? So now he's actually playing the host. And that's what he does. So he acts about three different people over here. Right? Weber to Koka. Sure. Koka nods. Lalo to Beba. Beba right. Beba to Lalo. Keep them at a distance. So they will go away. Okay? They've come to get us. Right? Lalo to Beba says... They've come together. As Beba says, keep them away. Baba says, they've, they've come, Lalo, they've come to get us. Kuka, to the imaginary people, good evening, Margaret. Lalo to Kuka, they've come to sniff out the blood. Beba, to the imaginary people, how are you both? Right? So, what, everyone gives you a different response. Uh, she calls him, how, good evening, Margaret. Lalo says, they've come to sniff out the blood. And Beba says, how are you both? So the two people, and they're imaginary. So you, as the audience, have to have an imagination when you're talking to imaginary people who are not on stage. And the actors also have to be very good because they have to show change of voice, change of uh, gesture, facial movement and they have to behave differently with different people, right? So 
uh, all that has to be brought out and you have to have actors who can check, play a number of parts and their own kind of role that has been assigned to them. Deba Tukoka, as mother, don't make things worse to the imaginary people. Asthma is such a pyrotechnic illness. It must still be wrecking havoc among the masses. Right? So now you're talking about it and you're talking about the masses and that's uh, something that we get from the communist kind of government. The masses are important. Right? Lalo Tukoka, I won't forgive you for this. As if she were paying attention to what the imaginary people are saying with a wicked smile to Lalo between her teeth, an eye for an eye, right? Yeah, so she's actually talking to these people, okay? And if you take him, I won't forget, forgive you for this. It's as if she's actually saying, or what you call titting on Lalo, giving out uh, what Lalo has been up to. Reba, Abeba's mother, to Lalo between her teeth. Pretend you didn't hear son. Now she suddenly acts as the mother, saying, pretend you didn't hear. Lalo to Beba, how rude. It's another, in another tone of voice, with a hypocritical smile or at the imaginary people. And how are you, Pantheon? It's been so long since I last saw you. Have you been lost? Beba, pestering the imaginary people, How's your you been? They told me the other day, Kuka, pestering the imaginary people, is your bladder working okay? Beba amazed, they still haven't operated on your spinster. Kuka scandalized, really? What about the old hernia? Lalo, with a hypocritical smile, Margaret, you're looking terrific. Is this, is that cancerous growth of yours still growing? To Beba, you deal with them, right? I've run out of things to say. Beba says, I've run out of things to say, right? Now this is uh, absolutely, it's staged in England, but it's absolutely un-English. Un you don't ask about somebody's urine. You don't ask about somebody's bladder. You don't ask about somebody's finster. Uh, 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 yeah, and you don't ask about somebody's hernia. You don't ask all the very, very personal questions, and especially about the guts and the uh, yeah, uh, the guts, the uh, the defecating org organs and uh, the reproductive organs. That's something that's kept out of. But uh, an English playwright by the name of John Osborne shows his working class uh, kind of uh, background. Uh, he's the one who writes, uh, uh, what is the name of the play? Uh, I'm sorry, I've forgotten the name of the play. Uh, it's about the, the angry young man, Look Back in Anger. Yeah, yeah, he's the one who writes Look Back in Anger. And uh, in many plays, including, he writes a play called Luther, he talks about syphilis. And a judge asked, uh, or Martin Luther asked one of the judges, who is also a priest in the Inquisition court, right? you'll have done Joan of Arc and you know what an Inquisition court is, right? 
and he asks one of the priests who's on the uh, conducting his judgment he says how is your mother's syphilis right so that's a different kind of a working class ethos which is very very uncharacteristic of very english upper class uh, manners but this is not an english play at all it's a latin american play right and uh, yeah uh, so so that you talk about somebody's cancerous growth right or is it still growing right it's like yeah so all these things are showing that they don't have all these kinds of hang ups about being proper as the english are and the english normally don't really say all this it's not that they're taking a jibe with the english but this is exactly how latin americans are right uh they there are free a lot of people and they have little or uh, the high of regulations the rules and regulations social rules and regulations uh, they are much freer than more many people in the world largely because they belong to a portuguese and a spanish culture right uh, of course gambero says well most of the people in latin america are spanish but except for brazil right which is portuguese and brazil also because of the portuguese culture right is uh, a kind of a very free uh, socially free kind of place i'm not talking about the dictators and i'm not talking about the political setups that they had and have okay so there's one thing to talk about the culture and another thing to talk about the political setup uh yeah and beba says i run out of things to say right at one level it's saying that look we are acting in a play and i don't even have a script right we were talking about plays without scripts we were talking about boyal theater right agosto boyal right so the idea is you don't have a script right and that's what you have in a lot of french uh, theater right yeah and you don't have a script and you have different performances and every performance is a different performance and is a scriptless performance and even the idea of the the director who is the director who is not the director all these things become uh, very very fluid yeah so that's what's happening over here when uh, you say uh, i've run out of things to say lalo beside pushing her say anything it doesn't matter goes up stage right and the question is you still working with this idea of well it's a play you have to say something to the audience and say it it doesn't matter and whatever you say doesn't mean anything which is something that we get from existential uh plays okay uh what is the meaning of things what is the meaning of life and what 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 does anything mean at all right yeah so you have uh, this thing by uh by fuko what is the matter who is speaking right yeah and what is the author in the in the essay what is the author right what is the what is the matter who is speaking and then the question over here is say something say anything whatever you say doesn't matter because all are words 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 and nothing else right yeah so that's something else that he's doing but we know that the character is is made out of the words after the structuralist right we have uh, we have people who are talking about structuralism and they're talking about characters 
not been make, made up because of the plot, as Aristotle said, but uh, because of uh, what uh, they call is uh, language. Lalo, aside pushing her, say anything, it doesn't matter, goes upstage. Beba looks at Lalo, distressed, pause. Immediately afterwards, she throws herself into the fun of make-believe. How lovely you are. It must be spring which gives you, I don't know, a special aura, a power. Oh, I don't know. Oh, isn't it hot? I'm sweating absolute buckets. She laughs. Oh, Pantillion. Panties, Pantillion. You are a one, an absolute can. Oh, yes, you are. You can't play the fool with me. And that wart really has increased your pulling power. Right? Yeah? And she's talking about Pantillion. And she says, Panties, Pantillion which is that he's a ladies' man, right? That's the kind of words that he uses. Of course, these are imaginary characters, right? But the way she goes about it is she gets into the role, right? So there's a hesitance of getting into the play, the hesitance of getting into the role, and as audience, we take time to get into the play, right? And these are things that alienate us more because we don't know when the play is actually beginning because he said, look, look, I don't want to do this. I want to dust the furniture, right? It's part of the play for us, but it's not part of the play uh, because they're not playing the roles they're supposed to play, right? So this whole idea of playing a role and not playing a role, getting in the role and not getting into the role, getting out of the role and getting into the role and getting into another role, right? So this is what is happening in the play. Uh, Lalo... As Pantheon, now Lalo acts as Pantheon. Oh, stop it. I don't believe a word of it. The year, the years my child are passing. Years wither a man away and turn him into an old dish cloth. He laughs mischievously. And if you, you've seen me in my prime, in the good old days, oh, if only I could have them again. But that's the point. That's asking for the impossible. In a special tone of voice, today, I have a little pain right here, points to his abdomen. It's like a pinprick size. I'm old, rusting, a rusting wreck of a man, and it gets worse every day. Our children don't respect us, and they don't forgive us either. Right? Now, it's Pantheon he's acting as, right? And... Uh, the person who plays Lalo has to be a good actor because he's already acted four different roles, right? One is Lalo, yeah? The other one as a Roman emperor. The other one is an important gentleman. And now he's acting as a Pantillion, right? Then uh, Biba acts as Margaret. Annoyed, don't say that. It's not fair. That's an aside. There's a time and place for everything. Smiling, what will these kind, lovely children think? To Kuka, come here, pumpkin. Why are you hiding? Who are you afraid of? Who is the bogey man? The, and Kuka doesn't move. Come on, what's the matter? Am I an ugly old woman? Come here, don't be silly, my sweet. Tell me something, how your mummy and daddy Where's your mummy? Right? Now, here is Beba acting as Margaret. Yeah? And 
this line is very important uh, when Kuka doesn't move, right? Now that's something that happens in the absurd play waiting for Godo, right? And they say, come, let's go and hang ourselves, right? Because there's nothing to live for, no meaning, nothing to be done, no meaning in life. Let's hang ourselves, right? And they don't move at all, right? And then what we have over here is they're playing a play, but the existential element is also there. Then we are trying to pass the time away. That's what happens in waiting for Godo, right? And all of us in real life are also doing that. We give examinations, right? And that's called rituals by uh, all the TA people, the transactional analysis people. They call exams rituals. And that's a huge ritual which we all indulge in, right? And our Indian Krishnamurti, who's an existential philosopher also, he talks about what happens if we don't have libraries, if we don't have theater, if we don't have movies, if we don't have the pujas and masses and religious ceremonies, what is the meaning of our life, right? Yeah, can we get rid of all these things? And then people get very scared to get rid of all that, okay? Because you face one of the primary existential problems according to Krishnamurti, which is boredom, right? So. One of the important things, especially in our lockdown, is can you put up with boredom, right? And if you can put up with boredom, then you know, boredom we all have to put up with, right? Like for instance, once you can put up with boredom, you can eat the same kind of food and it doesn't trouble, right? Yeah. Once you put up with boredom, you can have a lockdown for hundreds of years and you can go on doing your work as if it doesn't trouble you at all, right? Yeah. So can we put up with boredom? That's a question. That's an existential question, but the question over here is the movement, they don't move, okay, nothing to be done. So here also happens to Kuka, she doesn't move, right, and she calls Kuka, uh, she calls her a pumpkin, right, yeah, and she says, why are you hiding, right, and where are your mommy and daddy, where's your mommy, right, Lalo leaping from his chair violently. To the audience you see what did I tell you that's what they came for I know them I'm right to Koka accusing me they are your friends get them out of here they're trying to find out they tell them to go to hell do you hear me it's all over right now we're talking about a rule of fear something that happened in Nazi Germany where everybody told stories about everybody else right and they got them to the Gestapo, they got them killed, uh, all those kinds of rumor mongering happened, which is very, very terrible. And when you talk about totalitarian regimes where the children uh, tell stories to the government about their parents, right, which is what we are going through or in India also, where people uh, are friends of yours on Facebook or WhatsApp, whatever that is, and then there's somebody watching over the conversation, yeah? And the government comes to know and you're clamped down upon, etc. Yeah? Leaping up from his chair, violently the audience, see? Okay, now he's talking to the audience. So he's gone out of the role plane and he says, see, I told you what they've come for, right? They actually came for this, right? And he tells Koka to get them out. Koka doesn't know what to do. She moves, gesticulates, tries to say something, 
but is neither able nor dares to do so. Right? Now, it's as if Koka doesn't know the script of the play. Right? Yeah? And they're acting as if they, they're making up the play, but the play is not made up. They have a script, but they're acting as if they don't know the script of the play. And she doesn't know what to do. She doesn't know where to go. Okay? Because there's something that all the theatre people, I think that some of you who are theatre people, who know what is called blocking. Right? Yeah? So you, unless you block a, a scene and the director or the assistant director actually gives the positions of different things and actually writes that down in the scrapbook, you can't really uh, recreate the play or if somebody misses something, then you can't help them to begin again, right? The position, uh, the foot, uh, the foot position, the distance from each other, all that has to be noted down. And good directors normally keep a scrapbook where all the blocking is done. Uh, yeah, Beba to Margaret uh, to Kuka, as Beba as Margaret to Kuka. I don't want to leave just yet. We've come round for our regular visit. We've been needing to come for weeks. And anyway, I'm feeling a bit woozy. Your mother should have some herbal tea. Lalo, frantically, tell them to go, Koka. Tell them to fuck off. As if you were holding a whip and were threatening them. Get out. Get out of here. Into the street. Koka to Lalo, don't be so rude. Beba as Margaret, crying in outrage. I can't believe it. They're just throwing us out. It's outrageous. What beastly children. Koka to Lalo in control of the situation. You have a terrible temper. Beba to the imaginary visitors. I beg you to forgive him. Koka to Lalo. They haven't done anything to you. Beba to the imaginary people. He has a terrible temper. Okay? So Beba is shifting roles. One, she's acting as Margaret. The other, she's acting as Beba. Right? Yeah? Koka to Lalo, you just don't think. Uh, Beba to the imaginary people. The doctor says he needs plenty of rest. Right? And now, that is suggesting that Beba, uh, Lalo has probably a mental condition. Right? And whether it's the lockdown in India or a political clampdown or some kind of uh, oppressive political regime in any part of the world, okay, the question is uh, when uh, we have all these kinds of oppression, you also get people with a lot of mental disturbance, right? And uh, that's when you require a psychiatrist, as we have seen in the lockdown, right? Uh, many people have to be actually counseled the other day yesterday there was a japanese here in baroda who felt that she was she was getting uh, uh infected with the with the covid uh, 19 yeah and she went to the hospital right and there was nothing wrong with her but they had to first calm her down and give her psychological counseling and of course she the the test proved, proved negative because she was in isolation but the question is you get a lot of people because this is an unusual situation, right? Now, what happens when you have uh, totalitarian regimes, you have oppressive regimes, 
uh, then also you can't mix socially and everybody is a kind of a spy of the government etc then also you get a lot of psychological problems and at one level this play is a play about psychodrama uh, okay yeah the doctor says he needs plenty of rest kokato lalo so tactless so ill-mannered so beba to the imaginary people such an uncalled for attack right so that's what we call in uh, transactional analysis terms it's called uh, 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 illegitimate persecutor right yeah i have a problem with you say right and I, you've done nothing to me but i have in my mind some kind of a perception about you and at one moment of time i let it fly because something else is worrying me right yeah and uh well there's the two things that can happen you can be you can either fight back right that means you're playing the game of this man who's trying to be the illegitimate persecutor okay and or you're just the silent witness and you try to move back right the silent victim and you try to move back right and you lump it up right yeah so uh, that's also equally problematic right that, that you become a victim and a silent victim because somebody is an illegitimate persecutor right such an uncalled for attack kokak lula lalo who is laughing slightly god will never forgive you for this right now he's acting and he's telling kuka right god will never forgive you for this right and he's trying to manipulate her beba to the imaginary people yeah, at one level he's actually acting in one role and he's actually acting as if he's laughing at the drama and that's what you call a meta dramatic effect right beba to the imaginary people goodbye margaret good night pentillion don't forget mom and dad went away to the country and we are not sure when oh they'll be back pretty soon i expect bye bye blows them a kiss with feigned tenderness falls to lalo uh you made that really hard for me she sits down upstage and starts to polish some shoes uh kuka subtly threatening when mum finds out lalo angry go on tell her calling mum dad laughs mum dad defiantly don't wait go on run along and tell them i'm sure they'll be grateful come on run run takes kuka by the arm and leads her to the door he returns down stage center you're a disaster you can never make up your mind you want to and you don't want to you are and you aren't you do you think this is enough do you really want to live you always have to take risk it doesn't matter if you win or lose sarcastically but what but you want safety the easy way out that's where the danger lies because that's where you hang around dithering not knowing what to do not knowing what you are and worst of all not knowing what you want right now that is a problem okay especially because it's 
a piece that is actually saying, well, go tell mom and dad, that's how it begins as a very childish kind of rant, but it's actually saying, it's actually perhaps saying this to the audience, that you're a disaster, you can never make up your mind, you want to do and you don't want to do, you are and you're not, you think that this is enough, if you really want to live, you always have to take risks, right? So that's actually telling them, well, if you want to live in the world, if you want a, a, a good government, open your mouth. It doesn't matter if you win or lose, sarcastically, but you want safety, right? And that's what everybody wants, and that's why dictators and dictatorial regimes and unpleasant regimes are in their place. It's the easy way out. That's where the danger lies, because that's where you hang around, dithering, not knowing what to do, not knowing what you are, and worst of all, not knowing what you want, right? So, what is important is, you don't know what you want, you don't know what you are, you don't know what, uh, and when you are in this state of not knowing, it's not an absurd state anymore, it's a very real state that people have, and this is a kind of, uh, a kind of a limbo which we are facing in what you call a, a post-neoliberal world, right? And this is something that happens and you can link it up with the angry young man movement where uh, uh, Jimmy Porter actually gets into this angry young man position and that's what happens to many people between the two world wars, right? Because uh, they, 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 they learn to rebel, they learn to stand up, they learn all those kind of things, and there's a lot of anger, and you have, and they don't have jobs, all those kind of situations come up, and you might like to look at the angry young man movement and see if Lalo at one level gets into that. This other thing is, he's actually telling them, well, you had the revolution, the Cuban revolution, things have changed, what has it got you? Get up and revolt, right? If you can revolt against the Batista regime, you can also, re uh, you can also revolt against Castro's regime, yeah? And uh, I think we'll stop there a while, and in a, in a bit we'll start again with the other, with the other parts, with the other part of the play. I'm sorry, I'm reading a lot of the play out, because plays have to be read, yeah, and I hope that doesn't take too much of your time, but it's not a bad idea to carefully read through the play and uh, see what's going on, right? I read it again today just to do uh, all this bit with you, right? So we'll get through the, the first act uh, today for certain, and maybe tomorrow we'll start with act two, right? But let's get through act one first and let's see what is the dynamic of the scene, how is the role playing, etc. going on. Thank you very much. <laughs>